Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast. I am your host, Ed Bertzel, and it is bold prediction time. Yes, it is time for us to predict what is going to happen on night one of the NFL draft. Of course, that is this Thursday, and we've brought in the big guns for this from 4lsports.com, where you can catch his latest mock draft, which will be released on Wednesday night. It is Jake Simone. Jake! How you doing, buddy? Hey, long time no talk, Ed. What's going on, man? Good to good to uh, do one of these bad boys with you again. Absolutely, and it's uh, it's a crazy time for uh, for everybody. So uh, thanks a lot for uh, coming in and uh, and filling in the shoes of uh, Tim, Brett, Matt, and now Adam. So uh, I, I've I've brought in the real real heavy hitters for uh, for this mock draft because uh, well for our bold predictions episode you can get Jake's mock draft on the site again that is 4lsports.com but for now we are going to be talking about bold predictions so here is how this is going to work this episode is going to be just right off the cuff we are just going to be launching bold predictions at each other for the next 45 minutes to an hour we have 10 written down I don't know if we're going to get to all 10 but we're just going to go until we can't go anymore this is the, the shows that everybody loves just because they're very out of left field. You don't know what's really coming. And this is going to be a show where we Jake and I have not talked about our bold predictions yet. We have not discussed this beforehand. So this is going to be just raw emotion, raw passion, and raw debate, which we all love. So, Jake, without further ado, my friend, you want to open us up and you want to give us your first bold prediction for the 2020 NFL Draft. Yeah, I mean, my first bold prediction for this for what's going to be a wild draft because no one really knows anything. I mean, we haven't had any pro days, we haven't had face to face meetings. So my first prediction is at the top of the draft. I have the Miami Dolphins trading up from the number five overall pick. I don't really know if this is a bold prediction, but I'm going to count it. Miami trades up from five to three and selects Justin Herbert, passing over to a your thoughts that was actually the first one that i had oh my god that was exactly the first one that i had was that justin herbert will be selected before Tua Tagovailoa by the miami dolphins and uh i mean i mean look it really comes down and i think you know you're in the same boat that i am i believe just based on your bold prediction that you're thinking that justin herbert while he may not be the sexier name he may not be the sexier prospect He's the safer prospect, and when it just comes down to it, when you're really under the gun on the clock in the first round, you're going for that safe prospect. You're not really going for the home run shots, especially when one of them has a huge medical red flag next to his name like Tua Tagovailoa does. So, I mean, it's it's too many wild cards for me with Tua versus Justin Herbert when you know what you're getting. But you know that Tua has the higher ceiling because he can he can be as good as Joe Burrow. I truly believe that. But there are just too many things stacked up against him to be as good as Joe Burrow based on his medicals. Yeah, I the thing with Joe, I'm not really that big of a Justin Herbert guy. This isn't the quarterback who I would take in that spot. I would take Tua if I was trading up to three, to be completely honest with you. But from all indications that we've received coming out of Miami— it's going to be Justin Herbert. I have a 
when you you would agree, like you just did. I I just can't see them taking Tua after all this speculation. So it's going to be interesting. I I wouldn't draft. I don't. I'm not a big Justin Herbert guy. I don't know how you stand on that, but he just he doesn't really do it for me. No, I agree with you. I'm I'm not like I I'm not wow about Justin Herbert, but I see a lot of things that I like. I see a 6'6 frame. I see a guy that has a very strong arm. I see he's very confident in the pocket. He can make things happen outside of the pocket, which I like. And he's got a very good, very high football IQ, which I think on film really did show for me. But he's just not, there's nothing really that's flashy about Justin Herbert, where if you're looking for the wow factor, it definitely does fall with Tua. But the problem is that you have all this downside and all this baggage that comes with two, and it has nothing to do with two of the person, which makes this even worse because he's probably one of the more high character guys in this entire draft. But the problem is, you don't know how that hip is. You could say, you could say that he's healthy all that he, that he wants. I I think before we said we came on that the Dolphins had cleared Tua Tagovailoa in his hip at the combine in Indianapolis, so that could be an indication as to where Miami could go with that pick, but. I mean, we're, we're in the same boat here that we believe that Justin Herbert, or at least in the bold prediction standpoint, uh, that Justin Herbert's going to be selected uh, before Tua just based on the fact that he is he's a lot healthier right now and he's just a much safer option than, than Tua is. Granted, I don't think that Justin Herbert or Tua are day one starters. I think that they both are going to sit regardless of where they go, whether they go to the Los Angeles Chargers or the uh, Miami Dolphins, which are probably the two landing spots that a lot of people are talking about. But I could see more Herbert appearing later in the season versus Tua, because I think Tua, teams are going to need, whoever takes him is going to need some guarantee that Tua is good, and they're going to need to see him a ton on the training field to really get, him back to full speed and really get him where they are comfortable with using him because you you can't throw him to the fire day one you you, you can't do it yeah I got no complaints there you gotta just get him healthy there's a, especially a team like the Los Angeles Chargers if they draft him at six we'll get into you know maybe two is one of my bold predictions spoiler alert but maybe if the Chargers draft him you have an adult in the building like Tyrod Taylor who you're gonna win football games with because that roster is loaded so I, I definitely agree with that stance Hundred percent. Yeah, and that's a very good point, Jake. Is that you, you? You have Tyrod Taylor there. You don't have to go and rush Tua to be on the field. And while Tyrod is not exactly, again, the sexiest quarterback, the sexiest name, whatever, he can. He is a very competent starting option. And I think games, you know yeah. when you, yeah, he can definitely win games. And you look at the options that they have. They have Austin Eckler returning. Justin Jackson is still there. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry just signed his tender. Then you look at the defense. Derwin James will be back at 100%. Bosa, Ingram, they have the guys that are all there and ready to go. It's just a matter of finding that long-term option at quarterback. And if it is Tua, Tyrod can be the guy to hold down the fort until Tua has shown himself in practice where he is ready to go and he can be the guy to really carry the load and be the future for the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, let's face it, Tua in L.A.? I mean, that's yeah. that's got sponsorship deals written all over it. Yeah. Let's hear yours, buddy. So, <laughs> so I'm not sure if I believe this is going to happen, but th- we're getting bold here. We're, we'll get bold. Oh, right we're going right to get bold. <laughs> yeah, we're getting bold right off the rip. 
I have a spot here for Tua that's not the Los Angeles Chargers. I want to see if it matches mine. Go ahead. I think Tua is, well, I don't want to say I think, but according to my bold predictions here, Tua Tagovailoa is drafted by the Las Vegas they, Raiders. Yep, that was that was literally my Derek next one. Carr yeah. gets traded. I don't think Derek Carr gets traded. I think they let Tua get healthy for a year. Oh, but you do have Marcus Mariota, so this is this is very true. But I think if if Mike Mayock and John Gruden are the guys that I think that they are, I think that they're going to want to get Carr's contract off the books in one way or another. And if they do draft Tua, he's going to command, of course, that first round rookie salary, and it's going to be a lot for the for the Raiders to have. So I mean, if you could trade Derek Carr, let's say. He becomes expendable. Maybe do the Patriots maybe go after him? Does a team looking for a backup maybe go after him? Obviously, his contract is ridiculous. So, you know, it would have to require the Raiders, you know, eating a whole lot of money on that contract for them to properly trade him. But I think it's, it is definitely a logical possibility that Carr is, is out of town and doesn't even get to step on the field as the starting quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders. And we're talking week one. It being Marcus Mariota, who Mike Mayock, we all know, was head over heels in love with when he was drafted in the same year as Jameis Winston. And he finally gets a chance to have his guy in Las Vegas with him, with John Gruden, and with the boys. So, I mean, the, the whole marriage between Derek Carr and, and the Raiders is just, it, it's, it, I don't I don't know how to describe it. it it's it's been weird and it's been awkward and it just it seems like we've known the end for how this is going to go from the start but we just don't know when it's going to happen. Yeah, I'm still convinced they would have taken Kyler Murray last year if he didn't go number 1 overall. If he was there for them, I, I think agree. that was the pick. I agree. I I I don't think that's a uh, that's a very outlandish take at all. I mean, you have to start then considering, you know, if Kyler Murray doesn't go doesn't go one, you know, what do the Giants do? Um, what do, uh, excuse me, you know, what do the, what do the teams do behind them? You know, does Kyler Murray get to number four? That's part of the issue that, uh, I have with, um, with Kyler potentially going to the Raiders, but it's not a terrible take at all. I I really don't think, I really don't think it's that bad of a take. Yeah. The main point is they just don't love Derek Carr. Bottom line. No, no. Bottom line. They don't love, they don't love Derek Carr. And, and. I mean, right, rightfully so. His contract was given out in a uh, in a previous regime, and now this regime is in, and they want their own guy. And maybe Tua is their guy. It's going to be fascinating. I can't wait. It's going to be very fascinating because, I mean, let's just – I mean, you don't have any more uh, Tua uh, bold predictions, do you? No, that was, that was going to be my next one. I do have some other quarterback-related ones, but we're, okay, we'll get so to those later in the program. Yes, so let's talk about Tua for a second because I've talked about this um, on some previous episodes, but I want to hear what you have to say about this. Okay. So when you're studying the board, right, and you're looking at teams that potentially could need a quarterback, the Washington Redskins at two. I don't think they're taking a quarterback. That uh, that odds are is going to be Chase Young unless they're getting an RG3 haul for the number two pick. The Lions they could potentially take a quarterback. I don't think they do. They're more I think they're more likely candidates to trade out of that pick at number 3. You have number 5 with the Miami Dolphins. That of course is in play. You have number 6 with the Chargers. That's very much in play. 
And then you also have number nine with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think that's in play as well. And then, of course, you have the Raiders pick at number 12. Let's say, for instance now, Tua does not get drafted at any of those spots. Where does he fall after that? Because I think if he gets past the Raiders, and this is just pure speculation, I'm not saying that there's talk about that right now. I'm just saying this is just based on my own imagination. If he gets past number 12 with the Raiders, where does he go? Where is his where is his floor at that point? I we could be talking about an Aaron Rodgers like free fall. Free fall, yeah. For Tua, if he gets past number 12 and nobody is taking him. I, I know what you're setting me up for here. I I see what you're doing here with that one. Um I just for starters I don't think New England is going to take a quarterback this year. I no, I, I don't. Either. I don't think. I think that's what you were looking for. But I have a sleeper team that could trade up for him, and they have an aging quarterback. How about the New Orleans Saints? Hmm. They they were very aggressive for Patrick Mahomes in 2017. Could they do the same? You you let Drew Brees, who a lot of people, I me personally, I haven't compared Drew Brees to Tua. That's not my pro comparison for him, but a lot of people have made the comparison. You let Tua get healthy for a year. I it makes a lot of sense there. Sean Payton's not going anywhere; he just signed a new contract. No, no, much much to my utter sadness, Sean, Sean Payton is not going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, the thing with the Saints, which I I, I like the fit a lot, is. When we were going through our uh, mock drafts on the last episode, we had covered the Saints, and both Adam and I had expressed that the Saints are in probably one of the best positions in terms of their overall team needs out of any team in the draft. The the simple answer is they don't have team needs. They have everything pretty much covered on their roster, with the exception of maybe a, a, a linebacker or two. Maybe maybe if they wanted to add another corner, they can go ahead and do that. It just depends on what their board is shaping out to look like. But they can go ahead and they can fill those needs later on, depending on what it would cost to jump from the mid-20s up into the teens. It would probably, I would think, it would probably cost them maybe just to swap the first and maybe a third and a fifth. I'm just trying to do the trade chart numbers in my head, but I think a third and a fifth would do it if they wanted to jump from 24 into the teens. So, Watch out for the 49ers there. I think if Tua gets past the Raiders, watch out for the 49ers. They don't have any picks from rounds two to four, from what I believe, and they're looking to get more. They're looking to trade back. Just keep an eye for a team trading up to 13 for a quarterback for Tua if he's still there. Yeah, it's... You know what? It's it's a very fair point. I mean, if if let's just say the Dolphins don't go with a quarterback at five, then their their hand could be forced at some other point in the draft where they have to trade up to get a quarterback if they like one enough to go ahead and and take one. Yeah. So uh, so Jake, that was a lovely Tua discussion, by the way. Love that Tua. Absolutely, absolutely lovely. Let's hear another. Let's hear another one of your uh, your bold predictions. I think I have another one with the quarterback. So if you want to give 
another one of your uh, your quarterback bold predictions just to keep it just to keep it in line with what we're talking about you can or if you want to be different the world is your oyster my friend all right well i guess we'll keep it in the uh the quarterback discussion here i have a team that isn't in the first round trading into the first round late in the first round to draft their potential franchise quarterback i have the indianapolis colts trading into the first round to draft Jordan Love. Get here here out. Yeah, I I the floor is yours, Matt. <laughs> it's okay, a bold so take. I'll, I'll, it, it's that kind of show. I'll give I'll give mine because it does involve Jordan Love. I have here that Jake Fromm and Jacob Eason are better long-term options than Jordan. Wow. Love. Wow. I wow. I'm I listen Jake Fromm to me he's an NFL quarterback but is he re- he to me he's kind of a, a Jacoby Brissett kind of guy. Do you really want to build around him or is he just a guy you want to have on your roster? Ooh, Jacoby Brissett guy. Yeah, he's. I think Jake. I think Jake Fromm is better than that. I mean, if you look at the talent Jake Fromm played with in college, I, wow. I was there a better offensive line than that Georgia offensive line that he played no. behind? What I mean. What are we talking about there? Then those, you look at the running backs. Definitely one of the top five lines in the country. Yeah, yeah. You, you look at the running backs. They were just breeding running backs left and right. I mean, you had three running backs that are going to be arguably top forty draft picks. Wouldn't you agree? It's true. It's true. It's You're the right. talent there was just incredible. And as far as Eason goes, I really haven't watched too much of Eason to just kind of come up with an opinion. From what I hear about him, he makes all the throws. And it's just he's a small school quarterback. It's funny because he backed up Jake Fromm at Georgia. So, it I, I but from what I've seen from Jordan Love, his his the team he played with is just absolutely trash. He had nothing to work with. All the talent left this year. I think if you put him b- behind a Philip Rivers with the tools he has with Frank Reich, a very bright bright offensive mind, I think it's just a very good fit. And the ceiling is just high there. I don't think it's going to cost a ton. Because I'm going to get into the team that they're trading with in a little bit. But they have the 34th overall pick. So if they trade that late into the first round, it's not going to cost you a ton. And I think Chris Ballard is smart enough to know that if he wants to develop a quarterback, now's the time. You know what I'm saying? See, here's here's where I, I stand on Jordan Love. Because I've been watching his tape now for the better part of the last two months. And I sit here on Wednesday at 2.01 p.m. We're almost 20-something hours away from the draft. I don't know what Jordan Love does well. I don't know what Jordan Love doesn't do well. I don't know about Jordan Love. And I don't know what kind of prospect or quarterback he is. I I see three different versions of Jordan Love, okay? I see the 2017 Jordan Love, which made me go, wow, this is an unreal prospect. I see the 2018 Jordan Love. I see, okay, he's a very good prospect, a borderline first, second round pick kind of quarterback. And then I see the 2019 Jordan Love, and I say, my God, this is like a day three sort of pick where... You're basically letting him sit and you're hoping that he pans out into being something. Because, I mean, you have three faces of him and I just don't know 
which is which. And you could talk about the level of competition that he was playing with and he was playing against. But at the same time, there were a lot of things that I saw where it was just a matter of, really? he was. There were some throws in 2017 that he was making where his confidence was through the roof and he was just placing balls on a dime. But then from 2017 to 2018, then from 2018 to 2019, those same throws that he was making, he wasn't making anymore. And you could talk about the level of receivers that he was throwing to and so on and so on. But that excuse only goes so far because you could be going to a team that necessarily does not have the best receivers in the world. And then what happens? Not everyone is going to be throwing to DeAndre Hopkins or Julio Jones or Devontae Adams or Amari Cooper. You know, you're going to be throwing to guys that are not exactly elite receivers, and you have to make those receivers better. That's your job as an elite quarterback. The best quarterbacks make their receivers better. And that's where I saw Jordan Love fail time and time again. He did not make guys around him better. And that's where my problem with him really lies. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that about uh, quarterbacks making receivers better. No one no one says that about Baker. <laughs> So, I yeah, it's it's the narrative. It's a two way street, man. But that's why I have him mocked to the Colts. I think that's just such a great situation for him. And getting back to Jordan Love, I think he suffered from the a, a lot of quarterbacks. What they try to do when they don't have much to work with, I think that what he was trying to do was too much, and he was trying to make plays that just simply weren't there. I really think that he has the arm talent to be a big time quarterback. I think his floor is like a 30-30 Jameis Winston guy. What, what do you think there? I think I think ball security and, inter, and turnovers are his number one flaw. Because I think in the NFL, I think the NFL, and you got to think of where the NFL is going too. Uh, where the NFL is going fits exactly his play, his play style. You put him on an NFL caliber offense, especially one with the offensive line that the Colts have, receivers, coaching, I, I don't know. And then he's not going to feel the pressure of playing right away. I think that's the perfect fit for him. I, I really do. I like the fit a lot, and I and I, I agree with you 100% that I don't think, you know, all this talk that's been going around about Jordan Love having a range of being top 10 to top 25, you're basically asking him in whatever spot you want to draft him, you're basically asking him to go in and potentially be a starter right away. I, I just don't, I don't think he's a starter right away. No way, no, way. no how. Absolutely. I, we're we're do, on the same page there. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you put him where I had him in my mock draft, I had him going to the Green Bay Packers at number 30. Uh, yeah. And this was a mock with with no trades. But okay. that's another really good spot for him where he can sit behind Aaron Rodgers and he can learn from Aaron Rodgers. He can work with Matt LaFleur, who's one of the best young offensive minds in football. He is? That's a great spot for him. I believe he oh, is, okay. yeah. Yeah, I believe he is. Okay. I believe he is. He's he's more than capable. More than capable. And I mean he got to he, he worked with Aaron Rodgers. When was the last time we actually saw Aaron Rodgers work with a with a head coach that he had? Let's be real. Well, uh you, you your team just hired that guy, so good. Uh, good? I am well aware. <laughs> but uh I, I well think that's aware. a good fit, but if I was a Packers fan, I would be pretty livid. I I, I would be upset. We they need pass catchers. Yeah. It, bottom line. Yeah, they do. They do, but uh, they absolutely do. Let me let me hear one of yours. Okay, so I don't have any more quarterbacks, so 
I am going to go with a pretty generic one. I'm going to go and I'm going to say for one of my bold predictions that night one of the NFL draft, we see at least five trades go down. And I think five may be a little conservative. Really? Especially with the whole virtual setup? You think still five? I think even... I think even with the virtual setup, there are people that want to talk about maybe that's scaring teams off a little bit from really wanting to make trades. I think it's actually going to do the complete opposite. I think that some teams are going to be more motivated to move around the board. And we've been talking about the Detroit Lions have been talking about potentially moving down. The Giants have been doing their homework if they want to move down from number four. Jacksonville potentially may want to move up or down. Atlanta has been talking about moving up. Denver's been talking about moving up. So we have San Francisco Francisco 49ers have been talking about their two first-round picks. The Seahawks inevitably will trade their first-round pick because that's just what the Seattle Seahawks do. We've been talking about, you know, all these potential scenarios going down. And I know I've been saying this is funny season. Take everything you read with a grain of salt. But I believe that this is going to be something of epic proportions that we just haven't seen where we have teams just going up and down the board and I think probably the closest thing that I can compare it to is almost like in 2012 when the first round happened in 2012 and we saw teams just flying all over the board because that was the first draft after the new CBA had been signed which completely restructured the rookie pay scale So teams then were able to just say, you know what, if it's not going to be too much of a financial burden if we're trying to trade up 15, 20 picks to go get one of our top guys and just trade the farm for them, and teams were just doing it left, right, and center. You had the Rams trading back twice and Dallas coming up, and that was the year they drafted Morris Claiborne, for example. So... I mean, I think this is going to be an interest. It's going to be a very interesting draft, one way or another, because nobody knows how this is going to go. It could be, it could be the worst thing that we've ever seen in our lives, or it could be something that we're clamoring for next year, just just to see Roger Goodell in his own basement announcing all the picks. But I think it's going to be a heavy transaction draft, especially night one, when basically, look, the entire sports world is going to be watching because us as sports fans, whether you really like football or not. We're all craving for something, and Adam actually made a very good point. And it was a very strange comparison, but it was a good one. He said that this NFL draft is our oasis right now in the sport in the lonely, arid desert that is the sports world right now. Yeah, he's he's not wrong. And just getting back to your uh, bold prediction, I'm in a slight agreeance with you, especially because if you look at the teams that could be in the potential Trevor Lawrence Derby next year. You got to keep an eye on that. The quarterback class is way better next year with Trevor Lawrence and potentially Justin Fields. So that this kind of sets up what I, my next bold prediction pretty nicely. But getting back to what you said about Jacksonville, I think that they're going to go full Miami Dolphins tank mode this year. I think they're going to completely reset. Um, Fournette will be gone. They will trade anything with value to get 2021 draft picks. That's why I think they're going to trade down at number nine, and I I think that's the team that's going to end up with Trevor Lawrence. I really do, because they're awful. They're terrible. Like, you pick a position, they need it. Where do you think, um, just to go off track for, for uh, one second, 
you mentioned Fournette and all the trade rumors that are going on with him. Where do you think Fournette ends up? God, um, I don't think Tampa. I think Tampa is going to go the avenue of the draft for a running back. I know that's the popular name. Keep an eye on Detroit. I think that could be be a potential fit. When you agree, I would say Detroit, and I would say maybe Kansas City. To be completely honest with you, I would I think both are are pretty good fits, and I I would go with Detroit as the leader in the clubhouse there. I like I like the Kansas City one. Not Detroit. Detroit. Well, you City like you're a carry on man. You're a carry on guy. So, but he can't stay healthy. I know for now. I'm not giving. Yeah, listen, I'm not giving up on my son yet. I'm I I've given up. I've given up. I think they're going to draft a running back this year. They they want to run the football. They can't be doing that with uh, Bo Scarborough. No, no. I, I I think they will draft a running back this year. I think that maybe carry on. Maybe if he if at his best, maybe he's like a, a poor man James White, but. In terms of him being, you know, an, a three-down back, I think that that's that that dream is is history for me. I think I'm willing to concede that, but he could still be a contributor on a on a football team, but not exactly the the star that I you know thought that he uh, he could have been. I mean, another another option too, but I know there there are definite cap restrictions that you know need to be factored into to this if, if a trade were to go down. But how about the Los Angeles Rams? I have them. Te- I have them taking a running back in the draft, and I think they like Daryl Henderson. I think that could be an option. Don't get me wrong, but like you said, the the salary cap for the Rams isn't a little bit murky. I'm not in- entirely sure. It is. it is. It's very, very murky. And you just got rid of Brandon Cooks, so you're. It's kind of counterproductive to bring in a Leonard Fournette. You know what I'm saying? And I, I get it, though. He is a bell cow. He's a workhorse. And with the Rams, they need a feature back. They're not a running back by committee system. They, their offense works better with a feature back. So that could be an option. But I think the Rams go the avenue of the draft. I think keep an eye on Jonathan Taylor. How about this one for, for Fournette before we get back to the bold predictions? Just, you know, a little food for thought. What about the San Francisco 49ers? How many running backs are they going to have, though? Aren't they talking about trading I- Matt Breda? They are talking about tra- trading Matt Breida. Yeah. They have Raheem Mostert there. Jarek McKinnon, we don't know what. Oh, his he's you can't count is. on him. Yeah, I I think that 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 ship has definitely sailed. But I mean, Leonard Fournette in San Francisco would be that would be really interesting. I think they like Raheem Mostert. I I really do. I think that. Yeah, I do too. I think they love him. I do too. But the th- the thing is though, it really just depends on how much. How much or how little do they want to run the ball? That that's that's really my big question with the 49ers is I just don't know what their whole offensive philosophy really is. Are they run first or are they pass first? I think we've seen in certain situations they are a more run first team and then in the Super Bowl they give up on that philosophy and they try and win it with Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. It makes no sense to me. Keep an eye on Devonta Freeman for the 49ers before Fournette. That's I think he's a strong fit there. Devontae Freeman back with uh, with Tevin Coleman and Kyle, Kyle Shanahan. Shanahan. Th- that would I be... I say it, it won't cost a lot. No. No, it wouldn't cost a lot at all. He, it, it would, he'd be going in there pretty much on a one-year prove-it deal. So, yeah. I I actually like I like that a lot for, for Devontae Freeman. Yeah. No, I, absolutely. But uh, staying... Uh, can we get back to the bold predictions? Yes, abs- absolutely. <laughs> Give us Hit us one. All right. Um, my bold prediction number three, I believe it is. I don't know. I lose track. Um, yeah, number three. I have Tampa Bay 
trading up to number nine with Jacksonville to draft Louisville's Makai Becton. And let me let me get into let me get into it. Becton's not my favorite. I have Becton fourth on my tackle. I don't know where you rank him. Well, I mean, we could always discuss that, but I have him fourth. Um, I have concerns about the weight. Obviously, when you fail a drug test, it's never good. But I don't know if you follow John Ledyard, um, NFL draft scout, very well connected with Tampa Bay. I read his most recent mock, and he says that Makai Becton is the preferred favorite for uh, Bruce Arians and the Tampa Bay Bucks, and they really, really want to get this guy. And I think they could always trade for Trent Williams. I don't know how that's how that's going to work with Trent Williams' contract and to be, I mean, who can predict the Trent Williams situation? I, I, you know, that's just a whole nobody, di- can. nobody can. It's literally just a whole different world, just beyond our realm of thought. So, I think I think Makai Becton's going to be the pick there. I really do. Um, and I believe John, he's the Tampa Bay Bucks. He's well connected there, and he's well connected within the scouting community. So, and they they can't go into the off they can't go into the season with this current offensive line. You have nobody. You got to protect Tom Brady. He's not mobile. He's not going to move around the pocket, so you got to keep him upright. And I think that this is the way they're going to go. I really do, and I think they're going to. I don't think it's going to cost a whole lot. Um, I think what's. What do you think from to get to fourteen to nine? What do you? What do you? What do you think is the proper trade for that? I think it, you could probably do something along the lines of you attach your first round pick with a fourth, and I think that that could that could potentially be done because Dallas, when they traded back in 2012, I know it's not the same time and things like that, but they traded a first and a second to go up from 14 to six. So you're going from 14 to nine. You can probably trade a first and attach a mid round pick, a third or a fourth to get that done. I think it's going to cost them a second next year because I think if you're looking at it from Jacksonville's standpoint, if you think that that's a potential Super Bowl contender, like a lot of people seem to think about Tampa, if you if you get a third or a fourth, is it really worth moving back to 14? When you could take a blue-chip caliber player right there at number 9, or there could be better offers on the table. And if Tampa wants to get this done, I don't think there's any room to mess around with them. I would do, I would just attach a second-round pick for next year. And because you need to protect Tom Brady, you have two years with what? I mean, you don't even know if you have two years with Tom Brady. You might just have this year with Tom Brady. Who knows? So, yeah, no, no, you're right. And I'm going to go back to what you were talking about before with uh, Mekhi Becton. He also is my number four uh, tackle. This was, of course, before the uh, the flag drug test. That obviously is a huge red flag now for for any for any teams. And I've I've also heard a lot um, from in and around Tampa Bay that. They are well prepared to take Josh Jones really? higher if needed. Oh, it, so they would reach on him if they don't trade sure, up. Yes, just to make sure that they get themselves a tackle. While I'm not the biggest Josh Jones fan, I'm not the biggest Austin Jackson fan either, I think that they are better off if they are not going to get, let's say, Mekhi Becton or any of the four tackles. They're better off doing whatever they need to do, whether it is trading a second-round pick next year or this year. doesn't matter. Trading that pick to make sure you get Trent Williams because if you're taking Josh Jones at 14, that's just a, that's a disaster waiting to happen. He's too raw. You can't play him right away and expect that Tom Brady's blindside is going to be covered. I 
I definitely buy that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are trying to tr to get Mekhi Becton to fall to them so they don't have to trade up to get him. But the problem is there are too many teams in that 9, 10, 11 range, namely 9, 10, 11, that need tackles. The Jaguars, they could go ahead and use it to get a tackle if they really want to. The Browns, they need an offensive tackle with Greg Robinson now with his legal issues. And, of course, the New York Jets, they need a tackle as well. So those are three teams that can realistically just completely wipe the tackles out and leave the box basically, for lack of a better phrase, holding themselves and saying, well, we don't have a tackle now. We have to reach on one, and it, it, it's potentially going to fuck us. Right. Really. Yeah. Well, before we move on, just real quick, a name to keep an eye on for Tampa Bay if they end up drafting and reaching for Josh Jones or missing out on Trent Williams. Two names, actually. I like Kelvin Beecham, Todd Bowles' connection. Uh, was one of his biggest fans with the Jets. Could, you know, whisper to Bruce Arians and say, hey, this, this guy could be a good stopgap guy for us before we find our franchise guy. And obviously Jason Peters makes a lot of sense. So um, that's my last two cents on that topic. I like the Jason Peters one a lot. Yeah. I, th I think that that's one that makes a ton of sense. He can chase he can chase potentially another ring in uh, in Tampa Bay. And, of course, he gets to play alongside uh, Tom Brady and that, that offense now that just – I don't, I don't know how they're going to spread the ball out to keep everybody happy, but – just keep AB out of there. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's the smartest uh, course of action for them. Yeah, I think probably it's one of the uh, the the closest guarantees in life besides death and taxes. Is Antonio Brown will never be on a team that's coached by Bruce Arians again. I, yeah, yeah. I think that's a, that's a stone cold guarantee. I can take that to the bank. Oh. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna give a little bit of a bold one. I'm going to say that the Philadelphia Eagles trade a large chunk of their, dra their, their draft capital to get one of the top three receivers. I've heard nothing about this, but here's my thought process with this. The Eagles absolutely need to get their hands on a receiver, whether it's one of the top three or not. I have heard that Dallas is widely considering taking a receiver just to block them from going to the Eagles, much like Philadelphia did when they took Dallas Goddard, traded up to take Dallas Goddard so he wouldn't go to the Cowboys. Dallas was not going to draft yeah. Dallas Goddard anyway. They had their pick already in with Connor Williams, but the Eagles played a little game with Dallas. Dallas now has the opportunity to do the same thing with Philadelphia, and whether that is going to be odds are, it is going to be Justin Jefferson if there is a receiver that Dallas is going to take. It I've also heard it could be T. Higgins, who can, both of those guys can play either the outside receiver positions as well as operate in the slot. It would be very interesting. It's not exactly a need that I have, you know, necessarily, you know. Uh, etched in stone that Dallas needs a receiver, you know, to take in the first round because they only they can go and draft one in the third or the fourth round and they can start right away. But my thinking is the Eagles don't risk that; they trade up and they get one of those receivers. And whether it's uh, Henry Ruggs, whether it's Ceedee Lamb, whether it's Jerry Judy, the, my bold prediction here is I said the Eagles are going to walk away with one of those receivers and. They need to. They, we've been talking about this for the better part of the last calendar year. 
the Eagles need to get themselves a top-tier pass catcher to go along with Zach Ertz. They cannot rely on Alshon Jeffrey again. They just cannot do it. And you're stealing my thunder here because my next bold prediction that was going to lead me into was Dallas taking Justin Jefferson and, dare I say, Henry Ruggs if he's there on the board at 17, which I don't think he is, but if he was, I don't think he gets past 17 at Dallas. Um, No, I I, No, I I just, I think, I think a receiver would be a smart decision here for Dallas because you're going to pay Dak Prescott. He wants 40 million a year. Now, if you're paying somebody where it has been proven that he is better when the talent around him is better, wouldn't you want to get another weapon for him on his rookie salary? Where it's, you know what I'm saying? It's even if you have to pay a Michael Gallup eventually, Dak doesn't lose a weapon. You know what I'm saying? Before you have to start paying all these other weapons for Dak Prescott and pieces on defense, don't you want another guy that's going to make him better that's on his rookie rookie deal? It, I, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong there. No disagreements here. I And I think Justin Jefferson, whether it is Justin Jefferson, whether it's T. Higgins, whether it's Brandon Ayuk, I think any of those receivers, if if Dallas really is in the business of wanting to draft whomever their number four receiver is, or even their number three receiver, if they get there, you can play with a lot of those a lot of those options. Let's just say for this instance, because you do have Justin Jefferson here, let's just say it is Justin Jefferson. You could put Justin Jefferson on the outside, where he primarily operated at LSU. You could put Michael Gallup on the outside as well, where we've seen him really blossom into a very productive receiver, 1,000-yard receiver last year. And then you could put Amari Cooper and op get him into the slot where you're not necessarily having him going up against those outside outside corners where he's really going to struggle, namely Darius Slay, who he has just bossed Amari Cooper right. throughout the two meetings that they've had. And now he's, of course, in Philadelphia. So, I mean... It's not a terrible option because, of course, you want to prevent the Eagles from from getting their their hands on a top-tier receiver, which we all know the Eagles are going to be uh, going after. I've also heard that the Eagles are still checking in on the linebackers Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray. Uh, but I, I just think it's so obvious that the Eagles need to get their hands on a receiver, whether they do it round one or round two is really just the question. I think it really is a matter of, it's not if they get a receiver, it's when, yeah. it's when they get a receiver. Exactly. Yeah, just real quick, just to, to finish off this topic, because I know we got to move around. Um, I have I have the Eagles taking a safety, Xavier McKinney from Alabama. Mm. I think they got to replace Malcolm Jenkins. I think they need yeah, another emotional like leader in the secondary. But um, getting on to more bold predictions, I have a, a rather interesting one that... Now, you know, don't just, I I don't want you to laugh at me here. Um, Getting back to gears with quarterbacks, I have a surprise second round quarterback selection. All right. I have Jalen Hurts as a second round pick this year. I think it's, you're going to laugh at me, um, but I really believe, and from what I've seen, I've just, I can just feel it coming. I think he's a day two pick. And I have Jalen Hurts ranked ahead of the two guys you mentioned before, Jake Fromm and Jacob Eason. I think I think where the NFL is going with spread offenses, with speed, with the with the RPOs, the zone read option, 
I think Jalen Hurts has. I think he has a really good intangibles when it when it comes to leadership. I mean, you talk to anybody that's ever coached or played with him, they love the guy. I think he's smart, X's and O's. I think where the NFL is headed, I think Jalen Hurts is going to make a team look... If it's the right situation, I think they're going to look very smart. Keep an eye on two teams in the AFC North for him. I think Baltimore, to back up Lamar Jackson, maybe not in the second round, but if he's there, let's say round three or four. But the Pittsburgh Steelers make a lot of sense for Jalen Hurts. I want to hear what you think. I like Jalen Hurts. I, I think that he's being very criminally undervalued in, in the draft process. I've heard people say he's no more than a round three, round four pick. So And they said I, maybe I move like, to receiver. I mean, who have we heard that about? Right, exactly. Yeah, We've heard that about just countless other quarterbacks that have come in and people have just said, okay, we got to move you to receiver. But the thing with Jalen Hurts is I, I, I'm more of a traditionalist. I think you know this about me right. where – I like I like my my big tall uh, pocket passers. That's just my what I prefer. But I also understand that the league is going to more of an athletic styled quarterback, one that is agile, one that can operate inside and outside of the pocket as well. And I really don't. I'm not laughing at you for the the Jalen take. I think it's actually a very very good take. While I'm not going to say that I like Jalen more than I like Jake Fromm or. Uh, Jacob Eason, I will go ahead and say that I like Jalen Hurts more than I like Jordan Love. Wow. I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. I'll put that out there. Wow. Sure. I, I don't know if I can get that far, but I see what you're saying there, and uh, I'm, I'm glad that you respected my... Ho- I thought maybe... You, I thought you, would, you wouldn't really be a fan of Jalen Hurts. I'm kind of surprised, because you are a traditionalist, and he kind of goes against everything that you kind of value with the quarterback. He doesn't really have that size, the electric arm. Um, no. So, that's, that's interesting there. It's- so... It's an interesting one. I think what I really like about Jalen Hurts more than anything is he has an understanding of what it means to play in a very complex offense. And he, of course, had to do that at Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley and then before that at Alabama. And he's playing with two coaches, Nick Saban and then Lincoln Riley, that are pretty high-profile coaches and high-profile programs as well. So he knows what it's like to operate and then, of course, win on the biggest stages now personal issues that i have with jalen hurts he's cost me a couple of parlays but <laughs> that's for another that's for another time what i like the most about jalen hurts more than anything is exactly what you talked about jake you mentioned his leadership and that was something that was very very clear to me when i was watching oklahoma this past year when i watched alabama in years past and even back and watching on film the way he commands the attention of all of his teammates is something that you don't teach that that is a god-given talent that's a god-given ability where you command the attention of the people that you are playing with your peers and that's what jalen hurts does so so well while he may not be the most talented quarterback in the world, he definitely is one that just oozes every leadership trait that you want out of a potential franchise quarterback. And yes, again, not many of these quarterbacks that we're coming out in uh, uh, any year, you know, are we saying, wow, you know, this is like a, a can't miss prospect. But we've seen also in years past guys that come out and they're nothing and they have no leadership to speak of, namely Josh Rosen. Look at where he is now. So 
we're looking we're looking for high character guys. We're looking for guys with great leadership traits and guys with unbelievable character. That's what Jalen Hurts says, one hundred percent. And I don't mind that pick one bit that you saying that he's going to go in the second round because I think whomever's getting him is getting themselves an unbelievable football player, but also an unbelievable human being. As yeah, well. Nick Saban loves the guy and swears by him. That that should go a long yeah. way. Yeah, you have the Nick Saban stamp of approval. That definitely uh, means a lot. And we all know that uh, that Jason Garrett in uh, in Dallas definitely swore by his uh, his Alabama connections when uh, when Jason Garrett was the head coach in Dallas. Thank God he's not anymore. Yeah. Um, let's let's so, let's keep let's keep the ball moving here, man. Let's uh, let's uh, get the oven mitts on. So I have a very I have a very hot take here. All right, let's hear it. A very 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 hot take, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with it. I'm going to say that these are borderline first, second round picks. One is more of a second round pick. One is, you could say, is a first round pick who we've already talked about. T. Higgins and Michael Pittman out of Clemson and USC, respectively, are better long-term receiving options than CeeDee Lamb and Henry Ruggs III. Discuss. Thank God you didn't say Jerry Judy, man. I would have I would have shut off. No, no, no. My, I would have, we, we, I, I would have been, I would have left, um, because there's, no, there's no, no, no bigger no, no, fan no, of no. Jerry Judy in this draft than, than myself. I have been a very long advocate of Jerry Judy, but yeah, I could see it. Um, I think I'm not the biggest fan of CeeDee Lamb. Um, I don't think he really does it for me. A lot of people compare him to DeAndre Hopkins, but I don't know. I, I think he's going to be a nice player, but I think he's going to be, I think he's getting overvalued right now. If you look in the conference that he played in. Who plays defense there? They talk about his ability after the catch and make guys miss, but who's tackling anyone in the Big 12? Like, can you... you this, these aren't SEC defenders. You, you get what I'm saying there? And then when it... No, I, I completely I'm agree. A big, listen, this Ruggs kid can really run. I I watch Alabama... They call me a bandwagon. I just appreciate greatness, but I'm, I would consider myself an Alabama fan. I watch virtually every single game Alabama plays. This Ruggs kid is the real deal. Um... Just great hands. I think he has better hands than Jerry Judy, to be completely honest with you. But I don't think he has that much bust potential in terms of out of the league. I think he's going to be in the league for a long time because he can run. I mean, you look at Ted Ginn. He's been in the league for how long? Just for the fact that he this can is run. True. So, And he was picked in the top ten. But I love Mike Michael Pittman. That's I, He's gotten better every year at USC. I watched USC play Utah this year on a Friday night. And I was just going to watch for the first quarter or two because, you know, it was late and I had to be up early the next day. And I watched the whole game. And I'm like, who is this Pittman kid just tearing up the defense? So I followed him all year. And that was with, like, a third-string quarterback because USC's backup quarterback at the time was hurt earlier in the game. So they just put a kid out there. And Michael Pittman, I'm like, wow, this kid is jumping up. He's making contested catches. He's making guys miss after the catch. So I agree with you there. Who was the other guy you said? T. Higgins? T. Higgins, yes. Not, not, not. Not my favorite prospect. Um, not my favorite prospect. I'm gonna. I I feel like when he played against the better competition, I feel like he disappeared. And that's another thing with uh, with C.D. Lamb when he played TCU, he disappeared. I don't know if you filed that game or not, but I did. Yep. And where do you think I'm going with that one? And I think I've I've watched that game more times on film than potentially any other because I've wanted to see why the one time CD yeah. Lamb disappeared. The one time and, yeah, go ahead. And I just I, I don't have an answer. 
I really don't have an answer. He went up. He went up against Gladney. Yeah. He went up against Jeff Gladney, and Jeff Gladney shut one him catch. down. One catch. The one. Yeah. The, yeah. So that's I. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with that take whatsoever. I love Michael Pittman. I. He's my fifth rated receiver. I mean, if we want to, he's my he's my fifth rated receiver. As he's well. my fifth rated receiver. I have T Higgins as like seven or eight. I think he's in. I think he's definitely top ten. I'm not going to be ridiculous, but I like Lavisca Chenault, especially if he's healthy. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, I feel like if Lavisca Chenault was healthy, I feel like he would be arguably my third or fourth receiver. I I love. I swear, I really love the kid. Um, I do. T- I do too. I have Lavisca Chenault right now at number seven. Okay. But the problem is, it, it's, it's it's murky, the medical yeah. with him. Absolutely. It's the medical with him. If he if he did not have the the big medical red flags, he would be my number four receiver. Okay. Yeah, no, I could definitely get behind that, but I, I don't think that's a hot take whatsoever. And that's, yeah, I think that's no, definitely a valid so take. That, was, that wasn't that controversial no, then. No, no, I, absolutely not. I, I, might, I might ruffle your feathers with this next one, though. Oh, boy. Okay, I'm ready for it. Okay. Don't call me a homer. Okay. I know. I, 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 you're going to talk about the Jets? Yeah, okay, okay I got it. just real quick. All right. I think the Jets address their offensive, uh, their left tackle position via trade because I don't think they get their hands on a left tackle. I really, I think all the tackles are going to be gone before they pick at 11, and they are going to draft Jerry Judy. I, I think that's going to be their pick, and I think they will trade for Trent Williams. I think that's a team that does it. I, I want to hear your thoughts, especially keep an eye. The Jets have two picks in the third round, one of them being the third overall pick. That's the Giants. And they have plenty of cap space, and they, they've they've talked to Washington before. They can't go into next season with this current offensive line. They can't go in there with George Fenton as their left tackle. I, I want to hear what you think. I think on paper it sounds nice. Um, my overall – I think what you really need to hope for out of this is that as the draft goes on, Washington's price for Trent Williams falls a little bit. I, what I've been hearing from out of Washington all along is they've wanted a second round pick for him, and for for me that's too rich for my overall blood. But I think if we get past Friday, and the asking price comes down for Trent Williams, I think the Jets would trade that Giants pick for Trent Williams, and that that and that's a deal that would get done. You can close the book, you could take it to the bank, boom, done. That's and that. paying him a new contract's not an issue. Um that's that's not a new that's not an issue. But just real quick, um if you're Joe Douglas and you don't have a left tackle and the price is a second round pick, I think you have to pay it. I I I just call me, you might say that's overpaying. I don't care. You need to protect Sam Darnold. That this offensive line is not getting it done. And I think if you get Jerry Judy, you're going to dra- if let's say they take a left tackle in the top 11 whether they trade up or take one at eleven, you're gonna you're taking a receiver in the second round. So if you're gonna take a left tackle in the second round, you get what I'm saying here. So you're kind of filling two needs. So is Trent? Let's say they take an offensive tackle with forty eight. Is that offensive tackle better than Trent Williams is right now? No. So that's that's my uh, that's my uh, logic behind that one. I think that's a team that gets it done. I really do, and I think Cleveland takes Andrew Thomas. I think if Andrew Thomas is off the board for Cleveland, because I hear that's the guy that they really like, I think if he's off the board, I think they trade for Trent Williams. But I think he's going to be there for them, and I think that's their pick. 
Well, Andrew Thomas is my number one ranked my, mine as well. In this left tra- tackle in, in this draft, he's my he's my yeah. number one rated left tackle. I think Jedrick Wills is a better overall tackle who could potentially be a better because le- he didn't play left tackle in college. I get it too; it was a, a, a lefty right. and all, but I like Wills a little bit more than I do Andrew Thomas. But Andrew Thomas is definitely uh, my uh, second rated overall tackle, if that makes sense. I like Tom. I, li- I like Thomas a little bit more than Wills. Okay. Yeah. No. We. I think. A I think. Bit, I think. You're, more, I think you're really just really uh, nitpicking, to be honest, because they're so they're so they're both really good. And yeah, they're both they're they're both very 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 good. Yeah. They're you you can it's like a one a one b. Yeah. No. We're we're not on the same page there. Just real quick, how do you rank the uh, the offensive tackles? Just just rapid the fire. Top four. Yeah. The top yeah. four. Um, Thomas one, Wills two, Worfs three, Becton four. And then Jones five, and then uh, Austin Jackson six. Okay, yeah, that's pretty much how I have it. I just have Wills at number one, and Andrew Thomas at number two. Yeah, so we're, it's basically nitpick, nitpicking. My one A is your one B, and vice yeah. versa. All right. Um, okay, so is it is it your bold prediction? No, no it's I, mine. I just gave you mine. Trent Williams to the Jets. No, it is mine. It is mine. Um, okay, I, I have one here, and, and I kind of alluded to this on. Um, the podcast that we uh, just did, which should, which will be coming out, uh, which should be already in your inbox by the time uh, this episode is uh, released uh, by Thursday morning. Uh, I have Zach Bond, the linebacker out of Wisconsin. Many people are saying that he is a day one selection. I believe that he is not going to be selected in the first round. I have him being a mid day two pick. Uh, just a spoiler for my mock draft. I have him drafted to the Giants in the second round, so I I don't okay. think that's a reach. There you go. Um, a popular one is New England for whatever reason. I think everyone just is infatuated with Zach Bond to New England, um, because they like their high motor guys, and Zach Bond is exactly that. Yeah, I, you know, do they get every high motor guy ever in the draft? Um, I I have him. <laughs> I don't know. I think Zach Bond is uh, he's got some tools, but. He's just got some limitations, man. And when you're picking in the first round, I'm looking for a guy that's going to be, high, you know, what I'm saying like he's got to have a, a little bit of a higher ceiling for me. And I think I think the Giants they have holes at everywhere on defense, as particularly linebacker. And I don't know, he kind of fits the criteria of it. He just kind of seems like a giant. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't want to give lazy analysis here or any cliches, but he just seems like a giant linebacker to me. That's that's my two cents. Well, I mean, my problem, honestly, with Zach Bond, and, and we had talked about this on the, the previous podcast as well, is the one thing that I'm really looking from Zach Bond when his name is announced, whether it is going to be Thursday or Friday, is I want to hear what his position is. If they list him as a linebacker, I think Zach Bond will be okay. But if they list him as an edge rusher, which he was at times at Wisconsin, where they expect him to be hand in the dirt, going up right. against these tackles, he, he he's gonna get he's gonna get bossed because he's just he's not big enough as an edge rusher. He's only 6'2", 238, with thirty two and three quarter inch arms. He is not big enough to be an edge rusher. I'm sorry, he's not. I was referring to him as a linebacker because I I. Yeah. Isn't I thought that was the uh, consensus position for him because if you're gonna say if you're gonna talk yeah. about positions I'm I you know just I don't want to get into too much here because I know we gotta you know move on and whatnot Isaiah Simmons doesn't really have a position either like do you feel the same way about him as a potential top five pick 
he scares me as a top I, five. I, pick, I agree not, with not you. Knowing what his position I, is. I agree with you 100%. And I think Zach Bond's going to be okay as a linebacker. I really do. And I think his 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 ceiling as a linebacker to me warrants an early. I think he's an early day two pick. I think mid is a little. I, I think he's an early day two pick, but I could see him falling uh, to the middle of round two. I, you know, I, I have no problem with that. Yeah, it's it's just me being nitpicky with uh, with Zach Bond. I think there's there's a big difference for me in terms of when you're looking at the the creme de la cremes of the linebacker class with Patrick Queen, who I really really I like, like him too. and I yeah. think if you put him if you put him in a really good position, like we talked about, I had him mocked to the New Orleans Saints. I think that is an excellent spot for him, especially if he'd be playing next to Demario Davis. And then behind Marcus Davenport and Cameron Jordan, I think that is an outstanding spot for him. And then Kenneth Murray, who who I'll add another bold prediction here. I think we're talking about with Kenneth Murray, a guy that we could be seeing in multiple Pro Bowls. I have him going to the Baltimore Ravens. But when you talk about from Bond to Murray and to Queen, I have Queen and Murray basically right next to each other. And then I have Bond just ranked a little bit lower. He's not exactly my cup of tea. The injuries, the health history concerns me a little bit with Murray, but I think he's a special player. Yeah, that is that is the only blemish on his resume yeah. whatsoever, is that he he has the medical red flags, and that's why I think he's going to fall a little bit. But we, how many times have we seen, like for instance, my mock with the Ravens, how many times have we seen the Baltimore Ravens just go and draft these guys that have some issues but they come into Baltimore and they just blossom because there's this unbelievable coaching in Baltimore. And, of course, out of Oklahoma, who did they draft out of Oklahoma last year? Hollywood Brown. So they have a history of going and taking the Oklahoma Sooners. Yeah, no, I, there, there's no problem with that. And speaking of unbelievable coaching and just uh, overall team building, my next hot take here, bold prediction, the New England Patriots do not make a pick in the first round. I think they are going to be wheeling and dealing here in this draft. They don't have a second round pick. Keep that in mind. That 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 does not go over well with Belichick because Belichick's a big quantity over quality guy. He thinks he can find good football players in the sixth and seventh round. He does not care. He he's going to find good football players either way. But keep this in mind. I think New England is going to move around this draft board to keep trading back to get draft picks for 2021 to get their franchise quarterback. I think that's their plan. Stock up on 2021 picks, trade up for their guy they like, and move on. They're not going to tank this year. They're going to kind of reload. It's They're going to look a lot like Miami did last year, in my opinion. They're going. I don't think they're going to go into the year with Jared Stidham right away. I think they could still sign a bridge quarterback, kind of, like maybe even give Brian Hoyer the reins from opening day. And they're going to have a lot of competitive losses while not tanking. I think that's the plan, and that's the team. I think, just just to spoil um, my mock draft with trades a little bit, I have Green Bay trading up with them, and then I have the Colts moving into pick number 30 to draft Jordan Love. And then the Patriots' first pick will come at 34. You see, you took you just took one of mine. Shit. Yeah, they're I not said, picking. Here's one of the bold the bold predictions that I have is one of Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston, or Cam Newton will be a member of the New England Patriots. I have none of them by the end of the draft. I have none of them. To be honest with you, I think they're the only two veterans you can keep an eye on that are not in the quarterback room right now. Jacoby Brissett, 
if he shakes loose from Indianapolis, I think that's a, a shoo-in that he's back in New England. I, I think that makes a ton of sense. And to be completely honest with you, a name that he's kind of the ultimate bridge quarterback that I've kind of thought about in the past couple days is Josh McCown if he decides to keep playing. That's an outside-the-box one. It's an outside-the-box sure. one, but that, that I think, keep an eye on him. I think I think Josh, if, if Belichick called, I think Josh would listen. I think he would, too. I, I don't think there are many people that would... That would uh, not listen to uh, to Bill Belichick if they're uh, calling you and saying, "Hey, we need you to come play for the Patriots." Are you they're not going to. They're not bringing in. They're not bringing in a Cam Newton or Jameis Winston. They those are not Belichick guys. I don't think Andy Dalton is. Be- I think the thing with Belichick is he wants to have. You know what I'm saying? Because like, what if Andy Dalton comes in and plays well, but Belichick knows this isn't taking me to multiple Super Bowls. He's about dynasties and multiple championships. He's not about winning nine games or eight games. He knows that's not getting him anywhere. So, Well, if that's if that's the case and Andy Dalton does play well, you trade him at the trade deadline. You trade him, but you then, see, you, but, you but, but then him. that hurts your chances of getting a Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. You see what I'm saying? You can't just trade Andy Dalton. You, you can't just – let's say the Patriots at the trade deadline are what? Um, just give me a random. Uh, let's say they have an above five hundred record. You can't just trade him. That looks horrible. That's because you, you're trying to sell culture here. You know what I'm saying? If you bring in a Josh McCown or you bring in a Jacoby Brissett, two guys that are adults, um, they're professionals. They're going to mentor the younger players. They're going to lead by example, but they're going to have competitive losses. You know what I'm saying? Because you want to lose, you want to lose, but you don't at the same time. So. I think those are the two perfect guys that are going to. They're you're you're winning the moral battle here. You know what I'm saying? Your your program is advancing uh, post Tom Brady, and your 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 team's taking steps forward while not winning the games to get into the playoffs. So that's why I think well, just just real quick. Sorry about that. Um, no, okay. But I think Belichick thinks I would rather win four or five games and have my program take steps forward. But we just we're a quarterback away, then win like eight or nine games. I I really think he believes that way with like Andy Dalton. I I think that's that's his mindset. See, here's here's where I, I you kind of lose me a little bit. So you say they want to advance their program. You say that they want to prove that they're not necessarily just throwing the towel in on the year. I get that. But you also want to see what you have in Jared Stidham, right? And maybe Jared Stidham is not the guy. Maybe that Bill Belichick knows who his guy is and that that guy is in 2021. But for now, I think that there are better options than Jared Stidham. Because personally, I'm not a Jared Stidham guy. I wasn't a Jared Stidham guy when he came out. He's just very bang average. And that's that. Now, if we're talking about Jacoby Brissett now coming back into the picture, maybe he can hold down the fort for a year. I actually like the Jacoby Brissett one a lot. But the thing that I have here is what happens now if Andy Dalton does get cut and you don't necessarily have to trade for his hefty contract. I believe he has a cap hit of around $17 million for this year. So if you're trading for Andy Dalton, you have to take some of that money back if the Bengals just do decide to cut him, you can sign him on a cheap one-year deal and then have that be that. And, you know, if he does if he does perform admirably, then great. 
If not, then you do what you said, Jake. You you try and go for the young kid. You let Stidham play. And you, I don't want to say embrace the tank because, you know, that's not the Patriot way of doing things. But at least you you know that the, that the consolation prize is you're probably getting at least a shot to get, definitely get a Justin Fields. And maybe if you're really, really lucky, you get a Trevor Lawrence. But honestly, Bill Belichick can go 0-16 and he would still be keeping his job. Bill Belichick is not going anywhere. Bill Belichick knows what his plan is, and we're all just going along for the ride. And and honestly, it's almost like a wasted conversation just because Bill Belichick, he knows what he's going to do, and we're sitting here and we're, you know, spitting shit and and talking about, you know, what we think Bill Belichick is going to do when he already knows he knows what's going to happen and we're, we're just sitting here and, and you know throwing out ideas on what could happen when Bill Belichick is just saying to himself okay I'm going to do this I'm going to do that I'm going to do that I'm going to do that bam back on back on top back in business. yeah my, my whole rebuttal though to that is do you think that Andy Dalton's the guy for the Patriots like under any circumstances like no so what no, so I don't, what, I don't so why would you what why why bring him into your building you know what I'm saying if you bring in you you get what I'm saying because Andy I th- I feel like Andy Dalton still believes he's a franchise quarterback even though nobody else thinks so I think you get guys that know their role and their place in the league where you you get what I'm trying to say here um and 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 you and you say you're and you say that they want to see what they have in Jared Stidham but if you bring in Andy Dalton and and he you know he's winning a couple of games here and there you're not just gonna sit him for Jared Stidham. You know what I'm saying here? If you bring in, if you bring in Brissett, you bring in McCown, two guys that will take the the kid under their wing, and you know lead by example in the locker room. You go with them for the first three, four, five games, and then throw Stidham out there after you know he learns from them. Uh, you know, takes you know, so he doesn't have the pressure right away from for replacing Tom Brady. So I feel like that would be the smarter action than bringing in a guy that you know still is playing for contracts in the league to be a starter somewhere. See, I think where Andy Dalton, where his best fit is, believe it or not, I think his best fit is going to Jacksonville and playing with Jay Gruden, who is now the offensive coordinator in Jacksonville. They have that connection from their time together in Cincinnati. That connection makes all the sense in the world. But I think what the Patriots need to do, and we talked we talked about this before and what I said, that I think they need they need to play Jared Stidham just to see what they have. Now, if it means that they're going to lose 12 games, they're going to lose 12 games. I don't think they are. I think they're a more competitive team than that because, of course, they have Bill Belichick. But at the same time, they don't have that long-term option in-house. I don't think that there's a long-term QB option outside right now either. So really, you're just trying to find someone to just bridge the gap between Brady and and whomever the next quarterback, the franchise guy, is next year when they are able to take that guy with presumably a top 15 pick. Uh, Jake, let's get to, let's just do one more for uh, the both of us because we're running we're running a little late on time. Um, I believe I have mine, so I'm going to give you a bold one. Okay. I have I one of my other ones was Jonathan Taylor is going to become a starting uh, running back in year one. Yeah, that's but that's, that's, that's not too bold there. <laughs> he's he's yeah, he's not, my favorite running back in the draft. 
Uh, I go back and forth between him and him and Swift, but I can see I I like I like the body type of Taylor more because he's more of that traditional hard nosed running back. But here's my bold one, and this is the one I was saving till the end. And I don't know how this is going to be received because I am, of course, Mr. Ohio State. I love my Buckeyes, O-H-I-O. But I'm going to say that Christian Fulton, the LSU corner, is going to be just as good of a cover corner, if not better, than Jeff I'm I'm not I'm not big uh on Christian Fulton. He's he's not my favorite. Really? He's No. I'm I'm really not I'm not big on him at all. I think uh what don't you like about him? I feel like he played on a loaded defense to be honest with you, and I feel like he isn't that if you're looking for a pure shutdown corner like guard the other team's best receiver, I don't think he's that guy. Um I, I really don't. I feel like he's he's not going to be a bust by any stretch of the imagination. And he doesn't... I the, From what he measured out at the combine, he doesn't have the best size in the world either, correct? Uh, no, he does not have the best size in the world. He's a, he's a very average Average shot. He, he's not... You know what I'm saying? When I think of Jeff Akuda, I'm thinking of guard the best receiver, cover the best receiver on the other team, shut him down kind of guy. To be honest with you, I think... The, the corner I have after Jeff Akuda, and it's very close to C.J. Henderson. If you look at what he did in Florida, you know, the coverage schemes that they asked him to do, um, who he was covering, the quality competition, I feel like he's number two. But Christian Fulton, to be to be completely honest with you, doesn't even make my top five. I really, he didn't do it for me. Really? He, he doesn't make, I, 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 I don't love him. I, I, you, I, do you so have him as a first, I don't even have him in the first round, if I remember. I do. I don't, I, I do really, have him as a first round pick. I don't know. It maybe if the demand for corners is high, um, but I, I don't love him, man. I gotta be completely honest have, with you. I have Fulton as the uh, fourth corner off the board after uh, AJ Terrell, CJ Henderson, and then of course uh, Jeff Okuda. But what I, what I saw out of Fulton was for me, he, his coverage skills were just off the charts. Good. He had a coverage grade in 2018 of 89.7 and then 86.8 this year. And over the course of the last two seasons, he's only allowed 48 catches. That's I, it. I, I, listen, I agree with being tape statistics potentially over measurables, but when it comes to corner, to be completely honest with you, I'm... I, I look at the measurables and the combine a little bit more because I feel like you have to be an exceptional athlete if you're going to be a shutdown corner. I, I strongly believe so, especially because in college, you're not playing all these pre- – in the, in the NFL, these are the best athletes that football has to offer. You I'm sure you would agree. So, And you have to run with these guys. This isn't receiver where you got to know how to get open, per se, and know how to create separation. You don't need to be fast or strong to do so. But to run with these guys, I don't know. I, I feel like that, I feel like measurables and traits, attributes, you gotta have, and he, Fulton just doesn't really do it for me, man. That's the only issue that I have 
with Fulton, and this is me being really, really nitpicky, is that he definitely does lack that speed that's required. But again, you don't really need that speed. I agree with you on that front. He also has some off the field stuff. He was suspended in. I was going to say, didn't he get? Yes, didn't he get dismissed from the team or something he was like that? In 2017, for uh, for falsifying his uh, his drug test, basically he took somebody else's piss and tried to disguise it as. Um, that's bad. Yeah, it's not. No, the that's best not judgment. the best uh, call in the world. But when you're talking about him, the football player, this this is a guy that held Henry Ruggs, T. Higgins, Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb over the course of this season when they matched up against him in coverage to three catches for 39 yards. That's it. Yeah, I I agree I agree with you there, but I feel like there's just better guys that, that project better than him for, in the NFL. For me, when I'm looking at – there are some positions that when I look at them, I can take their measurables and I can take – there's their combine numbers and things like that. And I can really plug them in and be like, okay, I can kind of get a gauge of what that player is before I even turn on the film. But there are certain positions that I don't even look at the combine numbers because I, I don't want to. Those, those receiver, those positions are receiver and corner. Really? I just want to see them play. I want to see them play before I even look at the combine numbers. Then the combine numbers will either reaffirm what I believe or make me second guess it where I have to go back and look again and really see, you know, do they play faster than maybe what they tested? Um, Things like that. So with Fulton, Fulton just passed the eye test for me. That was the biggest thing is that, man, oh, man, did he pop on film. That was the – he's clean. That's what I really, really liked about him. He is a clean prospect. I Just uh, real quick on Fulton, I actually have him as a first-round pick going 32nd overall to the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I think that's a, that's a great spot for him if he goes that's, there. That's where I had him. And I'm not calling him a bust or a bad football player. I don't want to get this confused. I, I think there's going to be a good run on corners in the first round because it's a passing league and you have to be able to have guys in the secondary that are going to be able to cover guys and make plays and get you the ball back. Who Just real quick um, before we uh, – I'm sure we're running out of time. Just real quick, ha- who do you have as your top five corners um, out of curiosity? So I have Okuda at one. I have C.J. Henderson at two. I have Christian Fulton at three. I have – um, Jeff, hold on, let me pull it up. Jeff Gladney at four, and then I have AJ Terrell at five. Okay, all right. So we're we're pretty close. The only difference we have here is I have Okuda at one, I have Henderson okay. at two, I have Jeff Gladney at three. Mm, okay. I really I like him. I think I I think he's gonna have a really good NFL career. I do too. I have AJ I have AJ Terrell at four. I don't know how people have him going in the second round. I think that's ludicrous. I think it's it's crazy for me. That's, yeah, that's I, th- I think the Raiders. Madness. I think with the Raiders' second pick, uh, that's a virtual lock. And we know that's Mike Mayock. Have him too. Yeah, I think Mike Mayock, Mayock and Clemson. I don't know. I, there's just something there. They're 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 in bed together. For they're sure. They're in bed together for sure. And then I have Jalen Johnson mm, at number five. He's, I th- he's one of my favorites as well. I I think that he, if you really think about him, he is a Mike Zimmer corner. Like if if you had a a magazine for. Mike Zimmer corner, I feel like that's who it would be. 
and I think the Vikings make a ton of sense for him. And they have two picks in the first round. Um, I will literally send it to you after the show because we are literally just dead on the same page for that one. I have him going 25. Wow. Okay. Listen, I, I love uh, I love when that happens, but I just. Right, but folks, we had no, we didn't even discuss this before. Everything no. that we're discussing right now is, like he said no. earlier, it's it's pure emotion. Like this is, yeah, I love Jalen Johnson, man. I I feel like he's gonna be a stud at the next level in any coverage scheme. And I have Christian Fulton at six, though. So I guess we're I guess we're kind of close. I'm not. I, I didn't want to make it seem like I thought Christian Fulton was trash by any stretch of the imagination. I just had other guys ranked ahead of him because this is a really good corner class. No, he's he's just not your uh, your cup of tea. I mean, for what it's worth, I have Okuda going number three. That's one. I have AJ Terrell going two, going nineteen to the to the Raiders. That's two. Christian Fulton going to the Jaguars at twenty. That's three. Jalen Johnson going to the Vikings. That's four. Uh, Jeff Gladney going to the 49ers. That's five. I have five corners going in my first round. I have six. Who's your uh, was your who's your six? Is it is it Diggs? No, it's it's uh, I, I it's Christian Fulton. It's my top five, and then there's Fulton because Fulton six. Ah, uh, okay, I see. I I, I, see, I would I see not be surprised to see Diggs go in the first round either. Wait, did I just count wrong? Maybe maybe I just don't know how to do math. One, two. Oh, I didn't count C.J. Henderson. I apologize. I have C.J. Henderson going fifteen to uh, to the Broncos. So I was, yes, I, I was do, gonna. I do have oh six. wait, all right, yeah, we disagree there, but well, well, that's a that's a whole nother topic. Well, I, I mean, where do you have uh, C.J. Henderson? I have C.J. I have Atlanta potentially trading up to number nine. Potentially, if if Tampa, listen, I think the number nine pick is going to go, but I don't think I don't think C.J. Henderson gets past the 49ers at pick thirteen if they if they stay there because with tra- it's tough for us to predict trades, but um, I think C.J. Henderson is a top thirteen pick. I even the Raiders at twelve if they don't pick a quarterback, I feel like that's a way they could go. But because that secondary was brutal last year, I don't. I think he. I think he's not getting past thirteen. I think he's a really special player. So before we uh, before we sign off here, uh, just out of my own curiosity, uh, who do you have Dallas taking? You said do you have them taking uh, Justin Jefferson? In my most recent mock, I have them taking Justin Jefferson. Okay. And, yeah, I I went back and forth. I went back and forth for sure. Um, but I think I to be honest with you, I thought long and hard about Cesar Ruiz for them. Because they need a center badly. I like Cesar Ruiz a whole hell of a lot. Um, oh, we have some breaking news on the podcast. Oh, no. Nothing to do with football. The MLB's ruling on the Red Sox is in. All right, Alex Cora banned for life? He got nothing. He got nothing. He got nothing. So, loss of a second-round pick. He is suspended through the conclusion of the 2020 postseason. That, That's it. Pro- that may not even happen. That may not even happen. Correct. And they got docked a second-round pick. Wow. wow. Also, some football news just recently. I don't know if you saw this. Hit me. As for Minnesota, per Josina Anderson of ESPN, a source told me yesterday that the Vikings, quote unquote, expressed some interest in left tackle Trent Williams about a month ago, but added, quote unquote, nothing has really transpired from there. At the time, Williams, 
at, at the time, excuse me. I don't know why I was reading off so slow. Williams is seeking a trade. We'll continue to monitor. This whole situation is just fascinating. This this whole Trent Williams thing is like something I've never seen before. It's gonna pick up definitely after the draft. And, and he is, has no leverage. guarantee. He had he listen. If Washington doesn't trade him, he's got to show up, right? Is he just gonna yeah, retire? He's got to like, show up. He's got to show up per the new CBA. He and and, to, and we didn't even, we didn't we didn't even discuss on this on the podcast about Yannick Ngakwe. Like what nope. what the hell is going on there? I don't think he gets traded on draft night. I think a whole t- a tag and trade is too complicated. No, I don't either. Because I think if anybody's going to be trading in Gakwe, it's going to be you know in in coalition with the Jaguars trading up. But we both think that the Jaguars are in complete tear down rebuild mode. So why would they want to trade up to potentially lose picks, lose value? It it just it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I think if they were going to trade in Gakwe, they're trading in Gakwe to get another first round pick either this year or next year. They're not trading in Gakwe just to move up while packaging their own first round pick in the deal it it it, yeah. it doesn't make sense to me they could you i have i have read that uh from from other outlets that they could use him as a trade down for picks next year if that makes sense so that that whole situation is a giant mess that's <laughs> i don't know it is definitely a a giant mess well uh jake thank you so much for uh for coming on my friend it has been a real pleasure getting to uh getting to spit some shit with you and uh i'm sure that we will have you uh back on the podcast again sometime because this was uh this was definitely a lot of fun good i'm, I'm glad buddy i'm uh, glad to do this again with you and uh you know feel free to follow me anywhere you want and uh we'll talk soon on the podcast for sure i'll i'm looking forward Abs- to coming back absolutely and a little plug for uh, all of jake's stuff again it is for lsports.com where you can go follow jake and all of his content be sure to check out his mock draft which will be going up wednesday night but by the time this podcast comes out, it will be Thursday. So definitely before the draft starts, go check out and read his mock draft. So for Jake, I'm Bird. We'll see you next time. Enjoy the draft, everybody. Bye-bye.